Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now here's Pasternak, right circle, tees it up, he's good! Nothing blues. Hawks turn it over. They score! Tyler Bozak. You can bring out the Zamboni. Jake Allen, 38 saves, shuts out the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Devils' power play comes to an end, and this game will thankfully end in 45 seconds. Wow. I don't think there's really much to break down here, Matt. And I feel bad for the people that really like being in New Jersey, who may not be here if this thing doesn't get corrected very quickly. More on that Jersey situation coming up. Thanks for being with us. Welcome to another edition of Our Line Starts. Paul Burmeister alongside Jeremy Roenick and Anson Carter. Haven't seen you two guys since Thanksgiving. You have a good holiday? I'm definitely bloated. There's no question. I still got the tryptophan disease. Yep. So luckily this is a little bit more on radio. It's a few days later, though. Yeah, but still, I ate that much. Yeah. Yeah. Good afternoon. I, I couldn't wear a belt. Drawstring. Oh, you had the drawstring? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> tucked in either, we yeah. see. Elastic yeah. waistband on Thursday, that's yes, for sure. Or back into the belts, though. Okay. Here's what we're looking forward to. Here's what's on tap here for the afternoon. The Blues and the Bruins both look poised for a repeat run. Could it happen? We'll get into that topic. Plus, the Devils, they continue to struggle. Soon it's going to be decision time for Taylor Hall. Much more on that. And what is wrong in Nashville? The Preds certainly trending in the wrong direction. And former number one overall pick, Brian Barrard, will call in. He's got a new book out, plenty to talk about with him. We talked about Thanksgiving a little bit, and there's this old thinking uh, in the NHL that once you get past Thanksgiving, the standings really start to mean something. Teams, with the exception of the Blues last year, kind of are who they are. So let's begin on the positive side, as promised, with the Bruins. Uh, Best team in the NHL? I think there's an argument to be said about that. There's no question. I think they have the best line in the NHL. Pasternak is just ripping it up. 25 goals, just continues to score at a toward pace. Uh, their goaltending seems to be uh, really strong. And even when they seem to be down games, they're down two to the Rangers the other day. They come back and win. They're down to Montreal. They come back and win. Uh, this team just seems to have no fear. They're... they're they're never out of a game, and they're just so poised. They're so resilient, and I, I just I just feel with one of the best power plays in the National Hockey League, um, the way that they're going right now, um, it looks like they're they're poised and ready maybe to make a return to the Cup. They've been really impressive. Well, everything that Jared just said, I'd, I'd echo that, but I'd say it about the St. Louis Blues. Well, they're a team that really looks like they've benefited from that Stanley Cup championship experience. Uh, without Sammy Blay being in the lineup, without Tarasenko being in the lineup, these guys are still rolling along. No Stanley Cup hangover at all. I mean, look at Braden Shen. This guy could score 40 goals. I mean, I've always loved his physicality, but now he's scoring goals at will, JR, and these guys aren't missing a beat right now. And, and I think it's a lesson that a lot of teams can learn around the National Hockey League because everybody goes through injuries, right? The Boston Bruins have been without Bergeron for a couple games now. They continue to win without their their 
emotional leader. They're the guy who's the best defensive guy, the guy who really makes that offense go in terms of the poise. Uh, and St. Louis with Tarasenko being out, no problem. You have Shen steps up to the plate. You have Perron steps up to the plate. Um, you know, Bozak scored a big goal the other day. So it's it's really impressive to to see how they don't let anything bother them. And and that's what championship teams do. They they go into every game expecting they're going to win no matter who's in the lineup. Boston will do it. Look at all the secondary scoring that Boston has had. Yes, Pasternak has scored a lot. But Louis DeBru- um, I mean, um, Jake DeBrus is scoring goals. You have... Uh, uh, um, Charlie Charlie uh, Ma- um, McAvoy playing great. Um, their Charlie defense, Coyle yeah. Too. Charlie Coyle's playing great after that new contract. Uh, really impressive to watch these guys and just uh, they they don't let the negative get into the way of their game. And you know what's gonna be even more important too is the fact that St. Louis did it the way they did it last year. Now every team has hope, <laughs> right? Every team points to St. Louis and say, hey, look at these guys. These guys were in last place in January, and they stormed back the second half and still had a chance to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, another team in a similar run in previous years was the Pittsburgh Penguins. Same exact yeah. thing. But we always talk parody, parody, parody. Well, St. Louis Blues, they showed it. So now if you're in a room in one of these teams that are have, having a disappointing first half, you're saying to yourselves, hey, boys, St. Louis did it. We have a chance. Yeah, but, and, and it's, even, it's a great, great point to say because if you're the St. Louis Blues, are you worried about anything at <laughs> right? this point? Nothing. Right? Are you worried about anything? Nothing. I mean, they were, God damn it, they were in last place January <laughs> yeah. 3rd. Right. Right? And they just rattled off. And look at even in the finals. That here, the, going to Boston, it looked like Boston about ready to, to win the, 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 the Stanley Cup at home. Boom. They come back and win. The resiliency of, the, of that team. So for me, their confidence has got to be sky high, regardless of who is in the net and regardless of who is in the lineup. It's it's impressive. There's been a lot of teams that I've been impressed with, and maybe teams that nobody thought would be as competitive Before right now. Before we get to them, you know, I, I want to get it back to a name that you brought up. Just because I've been so impressed with David Pasternak. 25 yeah. goals, 27 games. Yeah. Kind of brought him into this conversation of can he get 50 in 50, Yager did it back in the 90s, but it hasn't been done since. Well, I think that the guys that, I, if I remember right, Cam Neely did it with the Bruins. Obviously, Gretzky did it. It's it's one of those um, extremely, extremely rare events. Um, everything has to go perfectly right. He's got to stay healthy. I, I think with as good as Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand are in terms of their their mental telepathy between each other. It seems crazy. Uh, but the way that they play together, they know where everybody is. It almost seems that they they look one way past the other, and every single time it's on the tape. And when you have a power play as dangerous as that, and Pat Bostronok with as well as he's shooting, very, very likely that if uh, if he stays healthy, he's got a good shot at doing it. Well, it's funny you brought up Cam Neely. Like, I think about when I was in Boston, and I was there when Cam was making his comeback, and he'd fly down the wing and shoot those slappers. Yeah. Patent Cam Neely's shots. And it's exactly how Pasternak scored that last game against Carey Price. And I look over at Cam, I'm like, what the hell do you think you're doing? He's like, this is my shot. I'm like, you're not beating goalies like that. So to see Pasternak turn the clocks back and score the way he did against Montreal, especially after getting physically abused, like Montreal went after him. Like he was targeted. And his celebration, like I'm not a huge fan of over-the-top sellies, but he just stood there like, are you not entertained? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, but he's got, a lot, yeah, he's got a lot going for him because even when Bergeron comes back, I mean, he's such a great playmaker. Marchand, I think, is very underrated in terms of his playmaking ability. He can score goals with the best of them, protect the puck with the best of them, but his ability to make passes. So Pasternak's going to have guys 
feeding him those pucks and feeding him those opportunities. And even if if, if they've thrown Krejci on his line, Krejci is another really good uh, specialty uh, type player that, that creates a lot of offense uh, with his assist and his passing. But um, it's it's really impressive. I would love to see it. I mean, it, yep. we need we need goal scorers. We only had two fifty goal scorers last year in Drysaddle and Ovechkin. I think we can, could have a couple more this year. Do you, you think, think teams three? will continue to play him the way the Canadians did? But both of you guys talked about it a little bit. They physically got after him. One hundred percent. Is that what I, you can expect? Now? I don't think he cares. <laughs> it doesn't, he doesn't give a shit. He wants to go out. Just bring it to me. I mean, he gets hit. He goes. He goes to those hard areas, those dirty areas, the places that that you feel a lot of pain, and he comes out with a smile on his face. And the a lot of them, they come out of a smile on his face because he scores a goal. But, um, you know, that's what you need to score goals in the game. This is, is it a smile or is it a smirk? Like, I saw him smirking a couple times. Like, <laughs> I want to jump to the screen, like, just choke him, yeah. right? When guys do that and they're good, it drives you nuts. Just drives yeah. you crazy because there's nothing you can do about it. He's scoring. He's letting you know that you're awful. And he's rubbing it in at the same time. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is fun to watch because every single night I seem to be looking at my phone, seeing who's scoring goals and watching him. God damn, pasta, pasta scored again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holy pasta, right? It's, 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 Holy pasta. It's, 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 it's impressive. And like I said, the more guys that, that can fill the net on a nightly basis like that it's brings more attention to better the game. for all of and us that's, it's great it's great to, to report on you guys have both mentioned the boston and st louis and why not start there with the positives but before we move into the other side some of the uh, negative or the disappointing teams so far some other teams you want to throw in there i gotta i gotta throw in the arizona coyotes uh, without question as a positive as a positive, as a positive. Yes. they're they're number two in the league in goals against average their goaltender uh, kemper is leading in goals against safe percentage Rick Tockett has this team believing that they can win every single night and playing in a way, in a system that is hard to play against. Four lines rolling over, playing physical, making sure they take care of the puck. And Tock had to work with this team a lot. I talk with Tock a lot. And the last couple of years, it, it's been a team of panic. They get the puck and they throw it. They get the puck and they throw it. When in a day where you can't slash, you can't hold, you can't hit on the hands, all these different things, don't, let, don't give up the puck. Just protect the puck like a Marshawn, and they're doing it. And their 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 power play has been better, but to have a defensive team like they are, it's been really impressive to watch. And uh, them, the Edmonton Oilers, look, these two both look like they're poised possibly to get back to the playoffs, which is also good for the National but League. But I, I wish they played for a guy like Talk. Like we both know Talk, and he's a stri- strictly an honest guy, right? You see the coaches that play those mind games of players. Teams shut those guys down, right? If you're an honest coach and it's just black or white, there's no gray area, your teams will play hard for you. I mean, Bruby's the same yeah. way in St. Louis, but you look at a guy like Christian Dvorak, a young player in Arizona who's had injuries, who's been awesome now. Nick Schmaltz, I'm surprised at how he bounced back. He had a knee injury, and his whole game is speed, speed, speed. And I thought it would take at least a full calendar year before Nick Schmaltz was back to being Nick Schmaltz. Well... That certainly wasn't the case. They gave him a big contract this offseason. He certainly rewarded John Chica because and, of it. And by the way, they're winning without Phil Kessel scoring. He's got four goals on the air. So when he starts scoring and this team continues to play the way they are defensively, look out. They could be even more dangerous if their goaltending continues to stay healthy and, and do the job. But, you know, Tak told me he feels at times over the last year, he, feel, he felt like a shrink. You know, he felt like a like a like a guy like a psychiatrist. That's Listen, coaching trying now, to, though. Trying to tell these guys, you know, it's not grinding it into them verbally with with uh, with energy. It's talking them out and making them finally believe it. So talks talks finally reaping the benefits of being patient and uh, 
and letting the guys know that he really cares. And don't worry about it. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Once upon a time, you could tell a guy, hey, run through that door right now. And the guy's like, okay, coach, let's go. And they're running through the door. Now you get to tell the guy why it's important to run through that door and have him really believe you or else he's not doing it. He's like, go ahead, coach. You do it yourself. Then have a lollipop on the other side of the door. You can give it to him. (laughs) They're going to make sure they all feel good. Arizona is certainly one of the positive stories. Uh, On the other side, let's begin with New Jersey. We had it written down to start with them anyway. You talk about a team going from off-season excitement to in-season disappointment. And now within the last few moments, guys, breaking news. I don't think it's a surprise to either one of you. Head coach John Hines has been fired as head coach of the Devils. Your reaction? You know, I'm I'm shocked, but I'm not shocked just by the way they've been playing recently. But I think right now it's in New Jersey's best interest to finish as low as possible. I know they want to try to retain Taylor Hall, but they had the first pick last year, the first pick, first pick the year after that or before that. Like, why not build these young players? Because they're, no, they're going nowhere fast right now. Gusev has been a disappointment. P.K. Subban has been the guy they're looking for. Wayne Simmons, unrestricted after this year. And Taylor Hall is looking to win right now. So why not just get those high mm-hmm. picks? It's a deep draft this year. Bottom out this year, try to get a high lottery pick and start all over again. You're not going to have Taylor Hall in the long run, and that's fine. Well, I, that's think okay. that's, I think that's a, uh, a problem with I that. think that's a good reason why they should get rid of Taylor Hall right now. First of all, you can't have a guy on the on a team that's losing where he starts yelling at the fans. Number one, you know, yeah. saying how hard it is to play because the fans are booing us because you suck on the power play. <laughs> well, they should be booing you. <laughs> you know, they, they should be booed off the ice when you lose in hockey games. So have the little thicker skin. Don't attack the fans when you suck on the ice. So that's number one with Taylor Hall. So you know he's losing. He's losing that credibility and that fan support. And then you have the opportunity, the chance that, of losing him in free agent, which you probably will. Mm-hmm. Taylor Hall doesn't want to be in New Jersey. I'm not afraid to say it. He's not a, he doesn't right. want to be there. He wants to go someplace where he can win, where he can win now, um, where he can make his money. And you talk about those first-round picks or acquiring those picks. There's no better way to get picks than to, than to trade a, a guy like Taylor Hall and do it early because right. teams will have that opportunity to sign him. Uh, they'll have lo- a longer period to sign him. And uh, if he goes to a place like Colorado that has the cap space, that has the, the, you know, the roster to win a Stanley Cup, uh, chances are you're going to get a lot back for a Taylor Hall in terms of, uh, of draft picks, certainly one or two number one picks. Yeah, I think Islanders maybe could be an offer for Taylor Hall to go there. You they think the really New Jersey a, Devils are going to uh, are going to let him go to the you, Islanders? You give me like a Noah Dobson or a good high draft pick? Not better a, believe it. Yeah, the Islanders are going to finish way like 100%. Not a chance. I, I don't think it'd be a problem. Not I don't a chance. Think, I don't think right now. I think it's more. I think they only, sep- they're only the separated by five miles of actual land. They could care less. <laughs> so, I don't think they could care less. I think they once, care. Once I start seeing guys like Scotty Gomez and Bobby Holik signing with the Rangers from the Devils, I think that ship has sailed. Mm, and now you've know. got Lou as a general manager of the Islanders? Well, like, of come course. On. Well, Lou, Lou would love to do that deal. I don't think they're going to make a difference. I think they'd be like, listen, if, new, if the Islanders give you the best package, I'm doing it. You know what would be kind of interesting? What if he went back to Edmonton? Like, they might not have the cap space, but that would be interesting having him out there in Edmonton back in his old digs playing yeah. with Connor McDavid yeah. and either one of you two guys, guys. thinking about the New Jersey to New York, either one of you guys go from one team to the next and you're able to keep your same house? Stay in the same place. I know a it's lot happened. of guys that have. It's Bobby Holik did yeah. it. Yeah. yeah uh, Bobby did yeah, it. Scotty Gomez did, did it. You, did you ever do it? Go from one team to the next and it was so close you got to no. You got to hang on to the same no. real estate? No. no. I was I was one side of the country to the other. So yeah. didn't work same, out quite as well. Here, no. Unfortunately, as no, but Boston uh, Edmonton. What do you guys <laughs> think about the fact that, that Toronto made this coaching change and the Leafs are now winning again? Devils have that kind of personnel. Now the whole Taylor Hall thing makes it a little bit different. Well, it's, but it's, do they have the kind of personnel to turn it around? I, I think they absolutely do. I think their biggest problem right now is their goaltending. 
I mean, something happened to Corey Schneider. I mean, whether he got abducted by aliens or what, and I know he was injured and all, but, you know, his fall from grace was totally unexpected and unfortunate. Uh, You know, Blackwood's been good, not great. Um, The the Deming, terrible. I mean, he's terrible. He just got... He couldn't play in Arizona. He just got thumped by the Buffalo Sabres and bad. But you talk about the Buffalo Sabres, they just played in the Jersey Devils. And you had the Buffalo Sabres saying that the New Jersey Devils came out and didn't even try, didn't even play for the coach. 5 after one, right? Yeah, they didn't even play for the coach. So now you have players quitting on coaches and then seeing how they respond to that. It's going to be really interesting to see now that Hines got fired, whether some of these guys that we expected to be really good, like Gusev, like PK, uh, when, Jack, when, when uh, Hughes comes back from injury, uh, maybe Taylor gets a little bit better. It'll be interesting to see what kind of effort is put out and what kind of sacrifice is put out for whoever steps in to take take Hines' position. Yeah, they, they couldn't play D at all. Their team defense was brutal. It wasn't a matter of scoring goals in New yeah, Jersey. It was, is it they can't or they just didn't want to? It was both. It was both. The tension of detail playing D, was it was awful. And the pucks on their sticks, I thought New Jersey was unreal. But having to play defense, they were terrible. And they felt like a team that was waiting for something to happen in terms of a Taylor Hall trade. You know, when I was in Boston years ago, we had Ray Bork, same situation, and we're thinking, is this the day that Bubba gets traded? Does he get yeah. traded today? And he finally got traded, and it was like a breath of fresh air. Not that we want to see him leave, but because, because he kept no, yeah. being asked about it every single day. It just became too much. Like, leave us alone. Like, when it happens, it happens. Yeah. So you're right, JR. I don't know if he wants to be there in New Jersey, because if you really want to be someplace, you would sign the damn he contract, right? He wants out. You'd sign the contract. Does that don't hurt tell his reputation elsewhere throughout the league that teams know he doesn't, that he's not playing his best where he not, is? No. No, you're, you're, he's, a, he's a heart trophy winner. Right. That's valuable. That's valuable commodity to be able to get somebody of that nature, especially that's at the peak of his career that can still fly, can still score goals, is still a game breaker. It's very hard in the National Hockey League right now to get game breakers, whether they're a winger or a center. And he's a game breaker that if someone can find a way to to lure him away from uh, New Jersey with the right picks, with the right player personnel, I mean, um, I, I, I I think. There's a lot of teams that will be looking very hard to get. They're going to want to buy low. They're going to take advantage of Taylor Hall right now and buy low. But the key is, does he want to be their long-term or not, wherever he gets traded to? That's going to really dictate the package that goes the other way. Yeah, and that's why I think Colorado is probably that one team that that has the cap space, has the team that that can win a Stanley Cup this year. And who wouldn't want to play there? And 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 who wouldn't want to play? It's a beautiful place (laughs) to play. Taylor Hall Hall will sign a contract with Colorado if 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 they can pull off the right tools to pieces to make that trade. All right, P.K. Subban's former team, the Nashville Predators. I'm going to look down here to make sure I get this correct, but the Preds started out just like uh, we expected them to. They won eight of their first 12, but they've lost, or they've won only four out of 14 games since. In Nashville, unexpected stats to throw around with this team. What's wrong down there? You know, this is the Jekyll Hyde team uh, of the National Hockey League with me. Uh, They frustrate me to no end with the talent that they have on the roster, and then the way that they play on the ice. Uh, This is a team that has um, Forsberg, Johansson. Go on and on. Duchesne, Arvidsson. Arvidsson's one of the smallest guys on the team. He's the bravest guy on the team. He's the one that goes into those scoring areas. He scores the most goals because he's the bravest. Uh, This team likes to play in the perimeter too much. They don't like to get their nose dirty. And in order to play a style game that wins every single night with talent, you have to be able to play a dirty, 
in-your-face type of hockey game. And I just think that there's too much. Forsberg's on the outside. Johansson's way too much on the outside. I think Duchesne will, will pick it up. I think he's been okay. He hasn't been great. Kyle Turris, uh, if you can get rid of him now, get rid of him. I, I don't think he's a National Hockey League player anymore. He's mm. just coming off being a healthy scratch for seven games, which he deserves it. Um, you know, the be- one of the best players on their team right now scoring goals has been Benino. He's a defensive forward. He's a penalty killer. That's your favorite name. You know, Benino, 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 Benino. But, you know, and, and un, uncharacteristically, Pecorine has, has not made that big save for them, Anson, when, when they get in trouble. And this is way too good of a team to, to play one good game and two bad games. One good game, two bad games. If I'm Peter Lavalier, it's driving me absolutely out of my my gourd. Is, is Pecorino getting old, though? Is, is that what we're thinking right now? 36. I mean, UC Saros is yeah. playing more hockey for them. This could be actually a blessing in disguise for Nashville to get Pecorino some rest because he's not a spring chicken anymore. Like, he's an older veteran goaltender, so maybe he'll be more fresh come the second half if he rests a little bit. But we're talking with John Hines. Do you think it's time for a coaching change maybe in Nashville, a, a different voice? Because last year you heard the, the talk that PK was sucking the life out of the room. That's what you're hearing from different people, whether it's official or not, who knows, and then he gets moved, right? Well, then now the team is playing exactly the same way, and there's, you can't put your finger on it. Like You can't say, well, this is what it is, because every single game is something different. You start off hot, and you're cold, and you're hot, and you're cold. Like We know a lot of that's a good coach, but sometimes you need a different voice. Is that the situation yeah, with Nashville, to, do you think? That he maybe? has been there a while. I, I don't think they're, they're going to go to that extreme yet. I think they can probably interchange a couple uh, a couple. Because uh, he can't get terse. <laughs> he's an anchor. Yeah. He's there. He's, he's a, making he, too much money. He is. He's making too much money, and he can't skate anymore, and he's not strong enough to play in the game anymore. And I don't think he's mentally strong enough to, to be that second-line center that, uh, that they need. Sounds like or, a real asset. Yeah. Or just an ass. Yeah, he took <laughs> those ass so here. Um, but I, I think having Arvidsson out of the lineup has definitely uh, hurt them. But uh, I'm not going to give up on, on Nashville. I, I, I'm still a fan of theirs. I'm, I, when you have a Yossi, an Ekholm, um, Duchesne, Forsberg, I think um, I think yeah. they'll be okay. But they, they need to mentally prepare to play more games and get their nose dirty. They need to get it there and get their ass kicked a little bit and, and, and get pushed around. It's been happening, is, yeah. is that JR liking Nashville, the hockey team, or JR liking Nashville, Broadway? <laughs> hey, listen, I'll go back to, I'll go back for a Stanley Cup to Broadway in Nashville anytime, even though I hate country music. Yeah. 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 I had a blast it's pretty good time, though. It's a good time. Let's add one more. Our guest this week is a former number one overall pick back in 1995, a defenseman who won the Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year in 1997. He also represented Team USA in the 1998 winter Olympics. We're happy to welcome in Brian Berard to the show. Uh, Brian, thanks for spending time with us. Let's get it started this way. I know you have a new book out called Relentless. If I, on my way home from the show, stop and pick that book up, what do you think I would find the most revealing part of your book? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I know these two guys pretty well, so I appreciate uh, you guys spending some time with me. Um, honestly, it's not, not just a hockey book. Obviously, I've been, been, a lot, uh, been through a lot on and off the ice. Um, so really, it's just about uh, kind of, uh, I guess, me kind of kind of pushing through what I've gone through with an eye injury, uh, dealing with some insurance fraud, financial fraud, um, and, and really just kind of keep kind of, I guess, getting back up and, and, uh, and kind of living a dream, really. BB, this is JR. I don't think any of us that know you are surprised at the title of your book of how you're able to come back and continue to fight and be that guy that's going to be on top at the end. Um, coming from, from Rhode Island, you grew up uh, – you know, blue collar, you grew up playing blue collar. 
you had that eye injury, uh, unfortunate eye injury from Marion Hosa, yet you were able to come back and play against all the odds. Tell us, tell us how tough a part of your life and your career was it having that eye injury and coming back from that and being able to play with such reduced eyesight. I mean, that, that night in Ottawa, I mean, uh, you know, obviously I was drafted first overall with Ottawa and then kind of it happened there was kind of a little odd, but I was in Toronto. I was 23 years old and all of a sudden, honestly, I thought my career was done. I mean, I took that high stick and, and uh, people seen the video, my feet are kind of wailing a little bit. And it's not really, it wasn't a lot of pain. I just kind of was yelling back to Curtis Joseph, who was my goaltender at the time that I knew I was in trouble right away. I, I knew that uh, my, my eyesight, my right eye went completely black um, and I thought I lost my eye. I think that was my, the first, first thing I thought of. Um, the second thing was my NHL career is over just at 23. It was just getting started. Um, so it definitely was a tough thing. It was a long road back. I mean, it was only really a year. I went through about six or seven eye surgeries to kind of, to, to basically try to get me as much sight possible back in that right eye. Um, I never did gain any vision back there. So I actually did come back and play six or seven years with one eye. Um, it, it was a difficult road back, but, uh, you know, lucky enough, I was able to come back and play six or seven years. Um, but, you know, I, I had to change. I mean, when I came into the league, I played the right side as a left defenseman. I had to switch over to the left side. Um, and obviously I was, wasn't, it was frustrating because I wasn't the player I once was. And, and I think that was the biggest thing to kind of, when I look back, um, was it a smart financial decision? No, but at 23 years old, I would go back and do it again. I just love hockey and I love being around the rink. Hey B quick question. I mean, I know that you're not writing a book by yourself. <laughs> How much help did you get? <laughs> and is this book a PG book or is it R rated? Cause I know there's a lot of skeletons out there that we can't share if it's R rated. <laughs> Well, if it was R-rated AC, you'd be in it. They are too, but no, it's, uh, it's we wanted to do something. You know, I, I kind of fought with him a little bit. Uh, Ty Domi, a good friend of mine, uh, released his book about three years ago, a couple years ago, with uh, Jim Lang. Uh, Jim Lang was was it was awesome to work with him. We met with Simon Schuster out of Canada, Toronto, Kevin Hansen. Um, I met with him probably three years ago in New York. Kind of sat down for a little bit. And the timing wasn't right yet. Um, and then we sat down probably about eight months ago, probably about 10 months ago now, to be honest. And, and we, we pushed this book through um, a lot of conversations, you know, a lot of stories. I talked to Jim. We met with him in Toronto. Um, obviously, he did Proberts. He did Domies, Wendell Clarks. He just did Max, Do- Max Domies as well. Uh, great guy to work with. Uh, it was a lot of fun. This was this project, I mean, it, to go back, everyone says, was it tough to talk about your eye injury and the fraud and things like that? And the reason why I wanted to get this book out, and again, it's just not a hockey book, but I really wanted to kind of – I was embarrassed at first, a lot of stuff with, with the fraud. and But I wanted to get get my story out and, and kind of educate young players, or really anybody. It doesn't have to be a, in the sports world or the hockey world. But, you know, the mistakes I made kind of, I guess, trusting somebody that I shouldn't have. And I really just wanted to get my story out. So, again, AC, it, it is rated G. Um, that's why I do Chicklets and some other podcasts where I get some funny <laughs> stories some funny stories out there that, that have been, you know, I'm 42. I'm still pretty much single. So I have I have a lot of fun, uh, you know, uh, out there. So it's, it's – but it's a good book. It's a good read. And, again, it's, it's just not a hockey book. It's, it, it was a fun project. Yeah, Brian, I think it's really important. You, you mentioned some of the financial aspects of, uh, of your life and in this book and I think it's really important and I'm so happy that you're going out and making sure that everybody especially young kids are aware of what can happen out there can you give us just a, a little synopsis of of, uh, of what happened to you and so other guys can uh, have something that they can look at and and to follow and make sure that that doesn't happen to them also I know it's a tough tough thing that you've had to go through but you have just battled your your ass off and trying to get this uh, get this um, out of your way out of your path 
Correct. And you, you brought it up earlier, Jared. You know, we're from a, a blue collar fa- family here. In, uh, you know, I grew up in Socket, Rhode Island. Um, you know, my dad maybe made $50,000 a year, raised six kids. Uh, you know, all of us played sports. So we didn't know about it. My dad didn't know about investing. My mom didn't know about investing. So I did trust somebody. You know, I met Phil Kenner, and, and he's in jail now for about, I think it's been almost six years now or a little over six years. Uh, still hasn't been sentenced, so it's been a long process with the, with the federal government. Um, but, you know, I did trust him. He spent maybe two nights, you know, at my house at Christmas, you know, two Christmases at my house Um and it just all of a sudden, it seemed that he just kind of went, kind of went off, I guess, off the, the reservation a little bit. And we started investing a lot in some real estate deals that I probably shouldn't have been a part of. Uh, unfortunately, 2008, 2009 happened with the Lehman Brothers. So it was kind of a, a perfect storm as well. But, the, you know, I just trust them too much. I didn't educate myself. I was playing hockey. I wasn't paying attention. Um, and, and really just, he, he just kind of, and a lot of, it happened to a lot of players. Um, and a lot of guys are still embarrassed about, it. so it's, you know, stuff that I didn't mention any names or anything like that, but it's, uh, you know, he stole probably over 50 plus million dollars from a lot of players and, and ruined their, their families. And, 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 you know, uh, you know, I, I thought I built this nest egg and, and when I retired at only 32, unfortunately, because of injuries and stuff, I thought I was going to at least have a little bit of time. Um, so it, it was definitely an eye opener. And, and again, that's what I'm doing now. I, I started working in the financial uh, business. I work for Whale Rock Point Partners, uh, a family office and investment firm out of Providence, Rhode Island. And just just business development. So I don't really give any financial advice. But I, these guys have been around for a long time with wealthy families. And those are the questions that, that young players and really anybody need to ask of, of who their clients. Can they talk to them um, to, you know, to kind of feel them out, to feel who you're, who you're I guess, the firms that you're, you're looking into, especially young athletes. And that's what kind of opened my eyes. And, and I really wanted people to um, kind of learn my mistakes and, and educate them so it doesn't happen to them as well. Good for you, man. Hey, Brian, one of those mistakes you mentioned uh, a little bit ago, you said that it was not a good idea financially for you to come back and play again in your early to mid-20s. I'd, I'd like to hear a little more uh, detail on that and the situation you were facing then with that decision to come back. It was tough because um, I received a – I took out a disability policy on myself uh, for $6 million. I was 23 years old. I already made a little bit of money, um, and, and I'm pretty wide open about it. You know, I, I started the NHL at 19 years old. So, you know, I had probably close to $10 bucks in, in the bank, and, and I could have retired, um, you know, at 23. But for me, it wasn't about the money or, or, or about that. But we worked out a deal with the insurance company that, uh, you know, I would pay back the amount of money um, over a few years, and then I had to write a, basically cut a check back for the whole $6.3 million dollars. At that time, we thought that that was, well, I thought that was the right thing to do. And obviously, with one eye, I wasn't the player I once was. But then we kind of learned when I retired. Obviously, I made a, you know, not to complain, but I made a little bit of money back. And, and, uh, but obviously, went also when I, when I came back playing, I was basically playing for free because I was paying the money back. If you're earning $2 million, obviously, after tax, you get about 1.2. But I was paying, I was cutting a check to the insurance company for $2 million my first year. So I was basically playing for free. And a lot of people really didn't understand that. Um, but then we learned later on that my disability policy, and I'm uh, disabled today, I don't have any vision on my right eye, so I'm pretty much legally blind in that eye, that the insurance company kind of had a, basically committed fraud on me, and this is the insurance fraud and explains in the book, that I should have been able to keep that $6 million. It was a disability policy, I'm permanently disabled, so I should have been able to come back, keep the $6 million, and also be able to come back and play. Um, and not pay that back. I would have had to pay the, the uh, three hundred thousand dollars back through the NHLPA and the NHL because that's a career-ending policy. Mm. So I basically, and again, it's my fault. I didn't have the again coming from a, a blue-collar town in socket. I guess I didn't have the right, you know, lawyers and, and things to to go back and look at that. And an insurance agent as well should have knew it was a disability policy. That's where. So I kind of got screwed there a little bit. 
again, it goes back on mine, but you, you live and learn like I do with my financial things. But again, it's just a little bit of bad luck. But again, you know, I retired and, and then I thought I had a little bit of money saved, saved up, um, obviously with, with Phil Kenner and that was all gone too. So it seemed that, that you know, everything kind of, um, that could have happened did happen. And, and unfortunately, you know, I had to go back to work, but uh, again, I, I was lucky enough to play in the NHL and this is, uh, I'm not complaining about it. I, w- I would go back and do it again. Pierre, I remember jumping on a private plane, heading down to Mexico with you and Phil to check out that land beachfront there in Mexico and then flying back to LA. And I was, remember like blown away, but I was like, uh, I'm not really sure my business manager shut the idea down, but what was it when it comes to Phil Kenner that tipped you off to said something's wrong? This, something's not right right here. Something smells fishy. It, you know what? He was, he, was a, he was a friend. So at first I got a call from the feds. Um, it was right when I was close to retiring too. So that was kind of tough. I was in camp with Philly um, and that didn't work out. And I got a call from the feds. I had to meet with them. And I'm kind of like, this is, this is, this doesn't make sense. I went over to Russia and, uh, and, and I mentioned it to Chris Simon. I went over to Russia and played with Chris Simon, who was a, a Kenner cl- uh, client as well. And really, I just started reaching out to some of his clients and kind of talking to them, and, and the stories just weren't adding up. Um, so I reached out to a, a police officer at the time. Um, he retired. He did some um, construction work and stuff. His name was John Kaiser, and, and he was his family was screwed over by Kenner as well. Hmm. So we just started matching up some paperwork and stuff, uh, some things, and, and really kind of just kind of going over a lot of stuff, and, and nothing it seemed like he had a different story for everybody. Um, and, and then I kind of remember some of the stuff when I was at Phil Kenner's house, some of the athletes would go, some hockey guys would call him and seem that he'd always have, uh, you know, uh, you know, that different story for guys. And I'm like this, it's definitely. So when I got back from Russia that year, I reached out and I did a lot of work with, you know, just kind of talking to the, the agents at that time and, and realized that, uh, he, 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 he was a thief. He wasn't who he was. He was a crook. I reached out to him, um, had tried to meet him in New York city. Obviously he was a no show. Hmm. Um, and, and then I knew I was, I was pretty much in trouble. So, um, you know, light bulb went off and, and, uh, and then the whole government, you know, obviously is already involved and, and, um, it, it was, it was definitely a tough, it was, it was a dark time. It was definitely a tough time for me to realize all this stuff, especially come back from the eye injury and, and earning the money back that, uh, you know, I thought I could be able to at least have a little bit of a nest egg. And I realized it was, it was pretty much all gone. Yeah, Brian, let, let's oh. get, let's get to the real important things uh, outside of financial aspects of your life. And that's get to how great you were on the ice. Uh, I played against you many, many times. I'm very fortunate to call you a friend, but you were a pain in the ass to play against. <laughs> you were one of those you were one of those guys that would stick up for the teammate, that would make games hard for you. I remember the time in Philly when I'm trying to beat the shit out of uh, Radek Dvorak, and um, somebody came to uh, Dvorak's defense, whether, uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, but uh, we're seeing it on screen right now, and I just punched Dvorak in the face. And here you come to the defense of your own teammate and absolutely <laughs> smoke me. You remember that that situation? I do. And, and the best part, I mean, we were friends before. I, I was lucky enough to, at a young age to play in the Olympics. I thought we, yeah, but I thought we were friends because after you tackled me, you called me a piece of shit. And I'm like, gosh, Brian, I, I'm a little disappointed right now. I love you. you, you, you called me love. A piece of, yeah, but that's, that's when I knew what kind of teammate that you are, that you will do whatever it takes, no matter who it is, to defend your teammates and do whatever it takes to win. So uh, you go back to that again. What was going through your mind? It just again, it's 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 hockey, right? It's, it's your teammates, the guys you love, and and, and obviously, you know, <laughs> you know, we had a friendship, and and again, it goes back to, to just seeing guys play like Chelios. I mean, he was on Chicklets the other day, talked about the Keenan story. I, I love the old school part of hockey. That's kind of why I went to major junior. 
Uh, I like that, the roughness, you know, that physical part of the game. I like to throw them every once in a while. Not that I was tough, but I would always try to fight somebody tougher than me. So at least when I got beat up, you know, my first NHL fight was Ken Danico. I was like, what the hell am I doing fighting Ken Danico? <laughs> and then, you know, it hit me a couple of times. I'm like, oh, my God, thank God that didn't hit me direct. I would be in trouble. Sorry, Mr. Danico, <laughs> pretty much. But that's, I mean, that's part of the game I like. And then, you know, I saw you kind of roughing up Devo. I like Devo, too. So I'd play with him, and, you know. And uh, so I was like, I just got to get in there a little bit. But that that's, was great. That's, that's, I think that's old school hockey. And, and that's, and I love that about, about the game. I love the teammates and, and the friendships that we, you guys all know that, that, that we've made playing this game is you never, you never can forget. One of your teammates in high school, uh, Brian Boucher, uh, one of our friends and colleagues right here. And ever since I've known Boucher the last couple of three years, uh, he's, he's got a great sense of humor. He and I like to partake in the uh, insulting, kind of funny uh, PG-13 or rated R insults, insults back and forth sometimes. So I need some new material. You were high school buddies <laughs> with him and teammates. What do you have for me? How can you help? <laughs> uh, that's, uh, I, uh, that's a tough one. He, I, it's crazy that me and him literally from first grade on have been pretty much best friends and have grown up in a small town with soccer. They both get drafted in the first round. Um, but that's what you bring. Nobody understands how funny Brian is. And, and when he got oh, that job we, at, we, with we, NBC, we have a, uh, we have a just, good idea how, <laughs> how funny he is. He's just great. His personality is dry, you know, everything about him, but, um, and his, his parents, and, and I, and I do a dedication in the book to him. His parents, um, were from Quebec, um, came down here. His father had a pretty successful construction business. And to be honest, without him and his parents, I don't think I would have been able to make the NHL. Because again, my dad, my parents were blue collar. Just, I went on a lot of trips, so I know I got a lot of dirt on Bush. And uh, not that I ever beat him up, but I used to, I used to harass him pretty much in, in uh, elementary school a lot. I used to pants him in front of girls when he wears sweatpants. There it is. A lot of certain things. Yeah, there you go. A lot of certain things. The Bush that, uh, uh. but he's, uh, you know, I love him and I love his parents. His parents both have passed now, but they're they're just great people. Um, and, and without Norman Lee's Boucher, uh, you know, I probably would have never probably been able to make the NHL. Well, another one of our colleagues here at NBC and someone that you've had a pass with and played for is Mike Milbury. So give us your opinion of Mike Milbury as an analyst and as a GM, coach, everything. Give us give us the best Mike Milbury uh, story you got for us. I got a oh, good one quick one. Me and Mike have a love uh, love hate relationship. Said he treated me kind of kind of. So like you're like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like it an analyst, but the best story of late uh, I could tell is that when uh, when Kevin Conley, who's a good buddy of mine as well, did that uh, thirty for thirty on on Spano about the whole Islanders thing, um, and we were all showing. Uh, I was in thirty for thirty with obviously with with Milbury and stuff. We did some interviews. Kevin Cons did with us, and uh, we're, we're going to the premieres in the Tribeca Film Festival. And uh, Cons calls me. He's like, listen, I, m- I might need a favor tonight. Who you bring in, whatever, whatever. And I said, he's like, you know, Spano's going to Milbury. They don't like each other at all. So that we, I might have some issues. Spano's got some buddies with him. But I might need you to break up a fight if anything kind of goes. <laughs> but I really need you to do me a favor. you got to let it go for like three to five minutes because I want the publicity if these guys actually start beating each other up. <laughs> like, that's a great idea. But that's, that's what Milbury, I, to me, I mean, he just challenged guys. And that's what he did. I'm old school again. Like I talked about, I always stood up for myself. That's why me and Milbury, I think that's why he liked me. Uh, that's why we had our battles. Unfortunately, you know, it was, it was a lot of young guys in that, a lot of young players on that early Islanders team. What kind a of coach was he, though? What kind of coach was he? He, he was just, I mean, 
we got along, but we did fight. I mean, unfortunately, he benched me a few times, and I would do the same thing with Chelios. Do I turn around and tell him what I thought about him? I, I kind of, <laughs> you know, I guess a podcast I can say, but I tell him to kind of f off, and then he'd bench me even longer. But um, <laughs> we had the, we had those battles, and uh, but I respect. I, you know what? He was tough on me, and, and he kind of learned. <laughs> he taught me some things as well. So it, it was good. It was definitely a great experience. And and then uh, you know I thanked him for trading me Toronto because that was the, probably the best part of my NHL career. I mean, it was a short, obviously with the injury, but before that, playing on that team and with a lot of good guys. So, you know, I thank them for trading me as well. So we talked about the old school coaches and the mentality. What, what's your, what's your impression of the game now, how it's played, how it's coached uh, the way that uh, the, the talent of these guys watching Pasternak score right now, 25 and 26 games, Ovechkin continues to put up 50, the talent in the game. What give us, give us your synopsis of the game now and how much you like it. Ovechkin blows me away. I can't believe he's still scoring from that same spot. It's just amazing. Goalies know what's coming. Defense know what's coming. He's still scoring. He's just amazing. I love, I love to, you know what? I love watching players now. These young kids are so talented. Kane, I mean, he's been in the league forever, but guys that are skilled like that, I love watching. I wish I was born a little later and was playing in today's game. I think I probably would have fit right in. Um, I still, you know, the, the hitting and stuff and some of the head stuff, I, I understand with the, you know, the, the concussions and stuff, but still some of these calls frustrate me a little bit when a guy ducks and the guy's head gets run into the boards. I think that that's hockey and that's part of it. It's, it's, it's tough, but I do enjoy it a lot. I watch, I don't watch a lot of regular season, to be honest with you. I, I, again, I watch players, but once playoff hockey comes, I watch it in front of the TV and I watch every single game. I mean, the sports still, to me, it's the best out there, especially playoff hockey. Um, that's, that's the part of the game that I miss. Uh, the body couldn't do it anymore, but I wish I was definitely playing today. All right, Brian, there's a former Number one overall pick, played for over a decade in the NHL. His new book is Relentless. We appreciate you sharing some tales and spending time with us. Can't wait to read this book. Can't wait to read this book, buddy. I'm telling you, from knowing you as a person and knowing what kind of competitor you are, there's no question that this book is going to be one of the best, best reads of all time. So uh, you're the best, pal. Thanks, guys. I appreciate having me on. Love you guys both. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Good to talk with you. What a great guy, man. He said he left out the awesome, rated man. R stories in both you guys. He did. It's good. Well, listen, we'll, well, maybe we'll, it's not. we'll hear about him for sure at I, some I point. I brought That's... up a Vegas trip that we had. Uh-oh. It was, it was really good. Like, really good. We went with uh, B's buddy, Boston Lou. <laughs> and he's like, Sounds bad already. He's like, we're going Boston to Vegas. Lou. So Boston Lou sends the plane for us. <laughs> we jump on the plane, <laughs> charter it to Vegas, and we're staying in the mansions. They're in oh, Vegas. Nice. So we go in there. We're everyone butler and everything. The MGM mansion, yes. right? Yeah. The place is great. huge. So B's like, my legs are tired. I can't walk around this place. This is brutal. I need to get something to help me get around this damn place. Goes the butler. We need some transportation up in here. Butler goes and gets a motorized scooter. B jumps in the scooter. <laughs> drives into the indoor pool. No. <laughs> it's probably still the pool for all I know. <laughs> pool inside the mansion. And he drove it right off. By the way, right no one, off the ledge into the By the way, pool. knowing you and, and Brian, that was probably the tamest oh God, thing yeah, that happened in was. Vegas. That's for sure. We're keeping it PG right now. No, so. okay. All right. That's good. Anything to add? You going to leave it there, JR? No, that, that is actually where I'll start getting into trouble when we start talking Vegas. And That's what I was like hoping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll just keep, I'll keep my stories to okay. myself. On camera. Yeah. So good. That's it for uh, your so episode of Our Line Starts. Remember, new episodes will drop every Wednesday. You can su- subscribe for automatic downloads wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we hope you can join us next time. We'll see you then.